Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. All groups of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the 9th. I think it is correct. The, the 9th, 9th of November. Yes. I love how this is a test every Saturday morning. Thank That's you, right. listeners. That's... You are listening to Asia Pacific Currents. I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm Pierre Mora. And it, uh, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links on your favourite community radio station. And the um, song that you just heard was a song for the Eureka Stockade by David Rovick. So thank you very much to um, Solary Breakfast for another very interesting program and um, today we've got another uh, roundup of labor news and of course a major interview Giselle and a major the, one or a just a feature one, one. well a feature we, one I think I, do... I think I did say major because the person <laughs> is actually going to come in the studio which is not often the case anymore well, these days last week we did promise you an interview with Jacob Greg AAWL's coordinator of our anti-arms trading industry campaign uh, and the interview view is on uh, Julian Assange and the campaign to have him brought back to Australia but definitely released from custody and to avoid the extradition to the United States. So Jacob is in the studio this morning um, and we will be speaking with him in the second part of the show. But Now, and if you're interested to know more about what we talk about, what are those uh, contact details, uh, Giselle? And I do... Uh, uh, I have to say that Giselle's got a bit of hay fever, so if you hear a sneeze or not talking, it's not that I'm um, censoring her. She's probably just need to blow her nose. It's completely that you've censored me, especially because you're the one who provided the explanation rather than me. I'm well, listeners. I'm in full health. So if if you don't hear me, it's because I've been silenced. But I think the orchestra those... is actually next door in the next studio. Those details. If you do want to get in touch with us or you want to um, follow any of our social medias, um, firstly, our you can email us at aawl at aawl.org.au. Uh, our website is all the w's.aawl.org.au. Look us up on Facebook and Twitter. We do post news and current affairs and labour movement issues from across the Asia Pacific to those social media platforms. Fantastic. And um, we'll go straight to our new run up for the region. I think you've got the first I one, will, Giselle. yes. I'll kick off. We're in Lebanon this week. Protesters in Lebanon changed their tactics in order to keep the pressure up following last week's resignation of Prime Minister Hariri. Large numbers of demonstrators have now begun surrounding government institutions in the capital, Beirut, and other cities to take the fight to the system of government. The protests are designed to maintain pressure on the political establishment until their demands for the departure of the ruling elite an end to corruption, an end to chronic economic mismanagement, which has led to massive inequality and widespread poverty, are met. And um, we go to Turkey, where in June of this year, Petrol Ish, the Oil, Chemical and Rubber Workers Union, was able to organise the majority of the 400 workers at Safe Demoplastic, an automotive supplier factory. 
This was later uh, certified by the Turkish Labour Ministry as a recognised union. The company, though, um, did not accept that its uh, workers had managed to unionise and started a campaign by challenging the union's registration in the courts as well as targeting workers individually. In the weeks following uh, this decision of the union to get registered, six active members of the unions were fired by the company, while management uh, is holding one-to-one meetings with workers in an attempt to force them to leave the union. The uh, Turkish worker struggle has been taken up by workers in France employed by the same parent company, as well as by the global union Industrial Oil. That's an excellent story of cross-border organising. Uh, in Turkey, as previously reported, since the failed military coup in July 2016, the Turkish government initiated a huge wave of repression against any of its critics. It's estimated that more than 150,000 people have either been terminated or suspended from their jobs, with another 50,000 arrested. In addition, roughly 150 media outlets were shut down and 160 journalists jailed. In the last couple of weeks, Umpre Impa, the last jailed employee of the opposition newspaper Kumhuriyet, uh, he was sentenced on terrorism-related charges, was released, while two other writers, Ahmet Ultan and Nazli Ilachak, were released on judicial supervision after having served three years in jail for aiding and abetting a terrorist organisation without being a member. Three other journalists from other organisations were also released. I think it's important to note that although... There are these releases and um, some conclusion to some of these uh, arrests and um, the persecution of the people that were allegedly involved in the coup. The situation has not, um, the repression has not alleviate, alleviated in Turkey at all and unionists are still being targeted. That's right. That's right. That's right. And uh, talking about repression, we go to a neighbouring country in Iraq where the uh, mass working class demonstrations in Iraq have now gone for more than a month, affecting most cities in Iraq, but especially the central and southern regions. Tens of thousands of demonstrators are now camping out daily in the uh, Intaharia Square in the middle of Baghdad, the capital of Iraq. The Conference of Iraqi Federation and Workers' Unions and Alliance of National Union Centres recently issued a statement supporting the demands of the protests and blaming the political parties and government for the poverty, unemployment and corruption that has plagued Iraq. The response by the state and its associated armed militias has been brutal um, against this movement. Uh, again, in the last five weeks, and I have to say overnight, there were more um, more killings, unfortunately. Over 250 demonstrators have been killed with over 10,000 injured. I think it just shows you the level of repression. Uh, nevertheless, these protests have created a total crisis of legitimacy for the sectarian and patronage nature of the Iraqi government and state, though currently there are no clear paths forward as to how best resolve this crisis, as um, given the, the, the war, the continuing war and civil unrest in Iraq and the repression, there's very few organised entities or organised parties, organisations that can actually take the lead um, and forward for these protesters. <coughs> Excuse me. See, do you, do you have uh, <coughs> hay fever? 
in uh, in the Philippines in a sign that the Filipino government, headed by the dictatorial president Rodrigo Duterte, is clamping down on any dissent. On the 31st of October, the police and army arrested dozens of anti-government activists. In a series of coordinated raids in Negros Occidental in Metro Manila, no doubt I pronounced that incorrectly, the homes and offices of the political party Bayan Muna, uh, the Women's Alliance, Gabriela, the Labor Group, National Federation of Sugar Workers and the Urban Poor Group, Kadamai, were raided. Now, also to say that Bayan Muna is the collective party of all of those um, kind of subsidiary groups. The government's claim that numerous weapons were found in the offices and homes of these activists were deemed suspicious by human rights organisations due to the government's track record of planting evidence in its murderous war on drugs offensive. In another worrying development... Security officials have red-tagged these activists, accusing them of being legal fronts for outlawed communist armed groups. The red-tagging has now become a way to undermine government critics, and there have been numerous cases of violent attacks, including killings, against individuals who have been red-tagged. To be perfectly honest, the only thing I have to say about that is it took longer than we thought. That's right. For the communists to start being targeted by Duterte. That's that, that's right. Despite um, having, sorry to cut yep, you up here, yep. despite having offered them the Ministry of Labor, despite bringing them into his cabinet, we always knew they would be targeted. That's that's right. As um, you said, it did take um, a, a bit longer, but I think uh, after killing over 20,000, I don't know how what the um, uh, body count now is, it's certainly um, now moving on to the organised um Labor uh, working class. And there is actually a demonstration um, against uh, this repression here in Melbourne this Sunday. So Sunday the 10th of November. Uh, It's at um, half past four uh, in the afternoon at Federation Square, um, obviously at the corner of Flinders and Swanson Street. So that's uh, this Sunday, the 10th of November. Um, solidarity demonstration in um, against the uh, the repression and the killings in the Philippines at half past four this Sunday at Federation Square. While we're talking about that, we should also say there is a um, another demonstration on Saturday, the 16th of November, which is the Global Day of Action Against Trade Union Repression which actually, so the date commemorates an incident in the Philippines of trade union uh, repression. And do you just want to give That's those right. details yep, out? Yeah, sure. The, uh, the, global trade, um, the Global Day of Action Against Trade Union Repression is going to be next uh, Saturday, the 16th of, uh, of November at, uh, at midday at the uh, Eight Hour Monument, which is at the corner of, uh, of Victoria Street and uh, Largon Street, opposite uh, Trade Soul. And there'll be a number of uh, speakers uh, giving um, updates on the, some of the issues, especially in our region, but there'll be some speakers from Latin America as as well um they'll be giving updates to some of the issues facing workers in our region and internationally so that's uh saturday the 16th um of november at midday uh, opposite the trade hall at the eight hour monument the global uh, day of action against trade union repression and on that uh, on that point we keep going where we go to china now 
that uh, while construction and manufacturing have been the mainstay of the Chinese working class over the last decades, the service, the service sector has um, seen a massive expansion in the last uh, couple of decades. There are now an estimated 70 million workers employing, employed in app-based sectors like express delivery, food delivery, ride-hailing, logistics, etc., as uh, with many other countries, these workers suffer from very precarious labour relationships and highly vulnerable to exploitation. A recent study from the Shandong region, a coastal region in eastern China, has highlighted the growing number of labour disputes in this sector. Researchers found that there was little formal union representation for these workers, no sectoral collective bargaining or collective agreement between trade unions and enterprises. Therefore, workers often took collective actions uh, in order to solve their uh, labour disputes outside of formal union structures, which again is something very similar to other countries in the world. And in India, more than 10,000 primary school teachers are on strike in the southern state of Tamil Nadu on a long-running dispute over pay and classification. Their campaign started in May with a demand for a 40% wage increase as well as an improved band structure. To press their demands, a number of teachers initiated a hunger strike. The state government had initially resisted calls to raise wages and had transferred the main union organisers to isolated parts of the state, but later relented and agreed to the workers' demands. At the start of this month, after three months of waiting for the government to implement implement its agreement, the teachers have restarted their industrial actions. This time, they've been faced with police and a large number of teachers were arrested this week for protesting in a park. The dispute is continuing. And that's the end of our news uh, roundup for today. But uh, given that we've uh, announced a couple of demonstrations or protest uh, actions already, let's um, announce uh, the one that's happening today uh, um, for refugees. Um, it's actually it's, uh, it's here in Melbourne and uh, it's at two o'clock at the State Library. And the focus is on the Medevac bill, which is allows for um, medical evacuation from the concentration camps of Manus and Nauru to Australia and the government is uh, trying to um, to retract this, this bill. So it's a demonstration in favour of this bill and in favour for the rights of refugees. It's um, at two o'clock uh, this Saturday at the State Library in the centre of Melbourne. We'll go to um, a community announcements or two and we'll be back with our main interview with uh, Jacob and uh, Julian Assange. The Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament invites you to join the celebration of 60 years of active campaigning on peace, nuclear disarmament and social justice. Great speakers will share their memories of CICD's many campaigns and the Victorian Trade Union Choir will sing peace songs from the 50s and 60s. Enjoy an exhibition, food and drinks. The celebration will be held at the Unitarian Peace Memorial Church, 110 Gray Street in East Melbourne. Sunday the 10th of November from 2 to 5pm. CICD is a proud affiliate member of Community Radio Federation.
Hey, this is Nick from Pinar. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. It is 16 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. We're joined in the studio by Jacob Grech, who is AAWL's uh, campaign coordinator for the Anti-Arms Industry Project. And um, given the relationship between WikiLeaks and the arms industry, one of the feature projects at the moment is the campaign for the return of Julian Assange to Australia. Uh, welcome to the program, Jacob. Yeah, good day, Giselle. Good day, Pierre. Thanks for having me in again. Good morning. Pleasure. Pleasure. There, there are a lot of parts of this that I want to uh, talk about. Things like why has it taken so long for the left to pick up on the importance of this campaign, the relationship between um, the persecution of Julian Assange in relation to WikiLeaks, and then the current AF or the current persecution of um, journalism in Australia and across the world. But before we get in into fifteen minutes, <laughs> before we get into you're very talented. Those, um, to, well, I mean, I, I am really speaking about the raids on the ABC and mm. on um, Annika Spethurst, mm. um, but I, I, I want to uh, just look at exactly where other demands are at in relation to Julian Assange. Well, he's currently in custody in London. Um, yeah. There is an extradition order or request mm-hmm. um, to uh, to get him to the US to face charges there, and there is a campaign to bring him home. Right. Okay. Well, as you rightly said, he's in a he's in prison, Belmarsh Prison, at the moment, in a in the hospital wing there, the health wing, where he's basically under um, what what would you call it? Solitary confinement. Not technically solitary confinement, but he doesn't see any other prisoners. Um, even when a friend of mine went to visit him a couple of weeks ago, the whole rest of the prison had to be shut down as he walked as he walked through. He's he's no contact. He's no contact. Um, and yet, when my friend did go to see him, he said something I think was very telling, not just about, well, not just about WikiLeaks, but about the man himself. He said, it's not just about me. This is about the, the camp. This is about the bigger issues. This is about the campaign. So it, is, so it is important. I think the best thing we can do for Julian at the moment and for WikiLeaks is to keep the campaign going and keep the, um, keep the leaks coming through and keep the exposures of all the corrupt nastiness that the governments and the bosses are doing in the dark places, keep bringing them into the open. Um, so, so yeah, so we're working on a campaign. At the moment, um, there is an extradition order um, which has been signed by the, by the Foreign Secretary, but there's also a hearing going, um, scheduled to take place in February next year, which you'll see is basically... A, what we're looking at is a technicality, I think, of why they have to why they have to extradite him, and he's um, facing charges which um, would amount to 175 years in prison. What are um, the char- What are the charges? Espionage. Yeah, under the Espionage Act, which has never been used since I think 1917. Um, so it's a uh, espionage charges in the US or in the UK? In the US. In the US, so this is—I mean, this is the first thing I think we need to—we need to talk about. We've got a situation where an Australian citizen um, broke no Australian laws, broke no laws in the countries he was actually in at the time, 
and yet he seemed to have broken a law, according to the United States, an American, a US law. And the US now thinks, well, it's saying that it can arrest and extradite anybody of any nationality in any country anywhere in the world for breaking one of its laws. And and that's American exceptionalism Mm -hmm. at its finest. It's... So there have been some uh, unlikely partners to 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 the, the to this um uh, Barnaby Joyce and the LM well not the LNP but the, the just the National Party has actually made some statements about the extraordinariness of that uh, how do you uh, reconcile those politics and those statements. Oh, why'd you throw that one at me at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning? <laughs> it's <hell>? actually nine twenty-one. <laughs> I wouldn't want uh, to be precise or anything. Uh, uh, okay, look, there, there's a number of things there. First of all, the cynical side of me um, says Barnaby Joyce and George Christopher Christensen are grasping for friends at the moment. They're going to have friends anywhere. All right. Now the the other side of it is. Um, the the strange thing about people like Barnaby Joyce and George Christensen is they don't. This is as the Pacific Currents, not a Friday rave. I can't swear, and um, they don't give a shit about about um, what popular opinion is. They see something's happening, and <clears throat> sometimes rightly, usually wrongly, they'll stand up and come in support for what they think is right. There. Um, yeah, so they they see this as an injustice. They see and um, and they've opened their mouth and said something about it. Now, most of the time when they do that, um, you and I, us mob, and most of the listeners would disagree with what they're saying. I think this time what they're seeing, and, you know, it's a little bit, they're the National Party and a little bit nationalist. Mm. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is it just straight up nationalism? How dare a foreign country impose its laws on us and our citizens? That's what I was getting to. Yes. That's what I was getting Sorry. to. And, and and it is that. It is that, you know, this is an Aussie bloke. He's over there in, in, in England and the Yankee bastards are going to try to do this to him. You know, rah, 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 rah. I'm not so going to stand for it. You deep, know? deep political analysis. But uh, getting to um, what's happening to Julian in the UK, I believe that um, there is now a growing support among trade union movements, uh, journalists. Yes, for- it, it is changing. It is changing. Like even here in Australia, a um, few months ago even, um, campaigning campaigning for him, nobody wanted to talk to, to me about it, you know. Now we've got a situation where <clears throat> I was in um, Queensland last week talking to trade unions up there who were talking about moving the resolution the medallies or over the AMWU, um, passed a resolution a couple of months ago at their national conference um, in support of him. The MEAA, of course, have been in support of him the whole time. Um, other unions, primarily blue-collar unions, um, are, um, are coming out of the woodwork and starting to talk to us about putting resolutions through. Is it because, like, his case has been going so long and, you know, there's very little resolution that after a while, you know, a lot of people, it starts to seep into consciousness. Well, what has he done? Where, where are his, where's his guilt? Where's his crime? There because... is that. But there's also, and it, it can't, you know, it's the elephant in the room, mm-hmm. the so-called Swedish allegations, mm-hmm. all right, um, came out of the time um, of um, widespread... Indignation, I guess, and an uprising that 
we'd call the Me Too movement, and rightly so. I've got I've got to add, um, but it became to it got to the point where um, it was hard to campaign for someone who had not charges but allegations made against him. Now those charges have been dropped. I think the charges, are the allegations, you see, yeah. they worked so well that even I used the word charges. All right, that's that's how they normalise the situation. But the allegations have been dropped. They've been um, pretty well discredited, I think, in the in the media now. Um, they they were never going they were never going to hold up. And now the only reason he is there is to await extradition to the United States. I think it really does the the. So I actually think those allegations were made before Me Too, quite some time before oh, yes. Me Too. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I, I'm saying that in recent times when he was pulled out of the embassy, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. of course. Um, but I, I think the important part of that analysis for us on the left is that they hit us where we're weakest. And I know we often think where we're weakest is on the issue of cl- of race um, and migration and migration mm-hmm. status. And I we absolutely are weak there, but we are still weak on the issue of sexism and the fight against sexism. So when there is an allegation, or um, not when there is an allegation, but this issue can be used, manipulated, to, to break the workers' movement because we have still not found a, a way to fight properly for a, against sexism and sexual violence against women. Of course, of course, of course. And they'll use it as a weapon. They will use anything as a weapon. So importantly, though, what are they... So in relation... I think these are the important parts of um, not just the repression that... Uh, Julian Assange is facing, but journalists everywhere, uh, using it as a weapon. What is it that Julian Assange sought to do? So let's actually get it really clear. What he sought to do, what he said, and I'll use his own words, if wars can be started by lies, peace can be started by the truth. All right, the whole reason, Julian was a peace activist. Julian was with us as you two were. Um, in 2003 with that big peace rally. He was one of the marshals we had. Um, he he comes out of the peace movement, well and truly out of the peace movement. His parents met at the peace rally and got together afterwards, you know. Um, he's part of the peace movement. So the whole reason he did it was because he saw, and, and he saw through, you know, previous exploits of a, allegedly... Um, hacking into a Canadian telecommunications and defence giant and then hacking into NASA um, that he was um, charged with as a young bloke. Um, he was, he's a computer head. I mean, he's, he's an absolute bloody nerd, quite frankly. He saw that the biggest weapon of wars were the lies being told, particularly in relation to the weapons of mass destruction, to the whole thing. You remember what was mm-hmm. happening in the early to, in late 90s, early 2000s, and particularly after 9-11. So his whole reason for starting WikiLeaks was to expose the truth to stop wars from proceeding. Mm-hmm. And that is why they attack him. Um, that is why um, they attacked... Annika Smethurst, that's why they raided the ABC. You know, what they raided um, the ABC about was they had documents that showed that Australian troops in Australian uniforms killed young Afghani kid while he was picking figs for his family's breakfast. That's why they did it, all right? And then we get, of course, the whole 
we move into the whole thing of the Australian Federal Police being um, used to protect this evidence and the militarisation of the police, which we saw so violently last week at the Mm -hmm. IMARC conference in Melbourne. That's right. Well, it's just on 28 past 9 o'clock. We've basically got like a a minute, Jacob. So basically, where do we go from now? What what can listeners, what can trade unionists and unions do to support Julian? All right. The most most thing listeners can do is, is listen and talk to each other and start what we need to do is end the normalisation of Julian as a criminal or some kind of Emmanuel Goldberg, Goldstein-type character. Um, And what unions can do is start passing resolutions because, really, we can't do a lot here in Australia. But if and when he is released from Belmarsh, the Australian government um, can offer a face-saving thing to the United Kingdom and the United States to bring him here. And they have got a role to play in this. We need unions to pressure the Labor Party to start acting like an opposition and not be in lockstep with the government every step of the way, particularly in response to the protection of an Australian citizen in trouble abroad. All right. Thank you, um, Jacob. We'll certainly be able to do that and we uh, encourage all listeners to go out and, and talk and speak and pass resolution in the union. So thank you very much, um, Jacob. No worries. Thank you both. It is 29 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. That does bring us to the end of the show. Thank you to all of the listeners. Uh, Asia Pacific Currents will be back next Saturday from nine o'clock with more news and current affairs from the Asia Pacific region. But coming up next is Palestine Remembered. That's right. And just to reiterate, Jacob uh, is the AWL coordinator of the anti-military project, if I've got it right. That's right. Also, um, Friday Rave here on 3CR 5 o'clock that's on right. Fridays. That's right. If you really liked him, there you go. You can uh, <laughs> listen to him even further. All right. That's really all the time we've got. My name is Pierre, and uh, we'll be back next week with another program of Asia Pacific Currents brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links on your favourite community radio station, 3CR Radio. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast Podcast, produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.